What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking our top five mistakes that people make during their fantasy football drafts, how to avoid them, and how to set yourself up for success and ace this portion of the fantasy football season. So make sure to tune in. If you enjoy, hit that like button, subscribe, let us hear it in the comment section, along with any other questions you guys might have. And lastly, check us out online at alldaypigskin.com. And while you're there, get yourself a copy of the 2021 ADP Fantasy Football Draft Guide, everything you could want at a great value. Details in the description. But with that being said, let's get right into it. Kicking off our list, we begin with the simple yet extremely important idea of practicing on the correct platform. And while this might sound intuitive, I cannot tell you how many people still make this simple mistake of not doing their mock drafts on the exact same platform that they're going to be using come their actual draft date. Because the idea is, sure, You want to get as much practice as you can leading up to the actual big day because that's how you get an edge on your competition. That's how you familiarize yourself with the expectations, with the player rankings, etc., etc. But if, for example, your actual draft is on Yahoo's website, then why in the hell are you doing all these fantasy football mock drafts on ESPN? on NFL or on some other website not named Yahoo. It doesn't make sense because you're just doing yourself a disservice. You're setting yourself up for some major surprises come draft date because the team that you can put together on ESPN, on NFL, on Yahoo, from that exact same draft spot, you know, from the fifth draft spot, for example, it's going to be very different from platform to platform to platform because the reality is all of these platforms have very different player positional rankings probably as soon as you get outside of the first round. Sure, the first round is pretty chalk, but afterwards, it kind of gets crazy. And just because you can get one player in the second round on one platform doesn't mean you're going to be able to do it on every single other one as well. You know, On another platform, they might be going as a third rounder. On another one, they might be going as a late first rounder. So again, not every single squad you're going to be able to put together will translate 100% or even like 80, 90% uh, across all platforms. And that is a big deal because you want to be as comfortable uh, come draft day as possible. You don't want to be there uh, in a situation where you're uncomfortable, where you're kind of unnerved or where you're in a situation that you haven't seen all that often before during your mock drafts. So the best way to avoid that, again, very simple. That's the good thing and a very easy fix. You've got time, whatever platform you're using come draft day, do the majority of your drafts mock wise on that exact same platform. And you're going to be in a much better spot very, very quickly. Next up, we have the idea of going into your drafts with a set strategy. And while on the surface, this might sound like a good thing because who wouldn't want to be prepared and know what they're going to do round by round by round? In reality, it can lead to some pretty disastrous results because I'm sure that everybody here has seen a video or two about the zero running back, the zero wide receiver strategy. Hell, I mean, even we have put out those specific videos on this channel. But every single time after we're done going through our roster and looking at the pros of each specific strategy, the most important thing that we do is go 
through the cons. And we do that because time after time, no matter what strategy it is, you get to a point in your draft where you are passing up on better valued players if you continue to stick to a certain strategy. And what that means is you aren't letting the draft come to you, which is what you should be doing, I would say, 90% of the time. Now, there's some exceptions to the rule, but they're pretty complex and they're on a case-to-case basis. So we're just going to focus on the big picture here. And that is that, again, 90% of the time, you should be selecting the best player overall because let's say you commit to the zero wide receiver strategy. Sure, in the first round, like 90% of everybody else, you're going to take a running back. That makes sense. But in the second round, if there's a run on that position, then what should you do? Should you potentially reach on another running back or should you dip into the pool of incredibly talented wide receivers who have great value at this point in time? It should absolutely be the second option because if you potentially reach on a running back, well, you're missing out not only on another very important position, the wide receiver position, an overall better value, but you're also you know, reaching on a player that you could have gotten in the next round, which you never want to do. It's a double whammy. So for that reason, going into your snake drafts with a set strategy can be a very big disservice. So the takeaway message here is let the draft come to you and go with best player overall. Continuing on, we have the idea of understanding positional hierarchies in terms of fantasy football. And this could be one of the most important things that you do come your draft day. And it's honestly something that I feel like not enough people understand. And this could potentially be a little bit of a two for one in terms of the tips and the mistakes associated with it. Because I can't tell you how many times I see individuals not understanding what the most important position in fantasy football is. And if that's you, look, that's all right. It's a very simple fix. Most important, you go by the positional hierarchy and in standard leagues where it's one quarterback, you know, running backs, wide receivers, a flex, you know, where it's not two quarterbacks, basically. And I would say 90% of us probably are in those situations. Well, it goes running back most important, then wide receiver, then tight end, then quarterback. So in this case, I want to focus on two positions, the running back position and the quarterback position. When it comes to the running back position, look, I just alluded to it before when talking about set strategies. You don't want to reach on a position necessarily, but you do want to prioritize the running back position. And what I mean here is usually what I say, kind of rule of thumb, coming out of the first three rounds, you should be coming out with either two running backs or you should be coming out with one like tier one running back. So a Christian McCaffrey type that can carry your team at the running back position. For the love of God, do not come out of the first three rounds without a single running back. That will be disastrous. Running back is the most important position, so you should prioritize it. Then I mentioned the quarterback position. And here I could spend an hour talking about this. But what you should do is you should look at cheaper versions of quarterbacks. You should not be buying high on last season's MVP, on last season's quarterback one in fantasy football. And I can give you example after example. For instance, last season, the quarterback one was Josh Allen. But where was he drafted? Was he drafted as a top 
you know, five quarterback? Hell no. The guy was going in double digit rounds as a flyer, potentially as a backup that could be a breakout candidate. And it happened. The year before, it was Lamar Jackson. He wasn't drafted as a top five quarterback. The year prior, it was Patrick Mahomes. Same situation there. And you know what happened the year afterwards when those guys had broken out? Naturally, people said, all right, I got to get last year's MVP, last year's quarterback one. So they probably paid a price of a second round selection. Well, usually what happens is quarterbacks don't duplicate QB1 seasons. It didn't happen with Patrick Mahomes, didn't happen with Lamar Jackson, and it could very well not happen with Josh Allen. So instead, what you should do here, specifically with the quarterback position, is you should look at those breakout later round candidates, or even better, you should look at guys that are coming off maybe shaky seasons that are still very high performing quarterbacks. So for example, Lamar Jackson in this case, and guys that are going to lead to discounts so that you can get much later than, you know, you could a year ago, but that have that exact same upside. So if you can do that, if you can follow the rule of prioritizing the running back position and probably waiting on the quarterback position, you are going to be at a step ahead of so many people that especially uh, make that mistake when it comes to quarterback. Ideally, you should probably be waiting until the fifth, sixth round for the quarterback position. Continuing on, we have the idea of reaching in fantasy football. And this might be a little bit of a controversial topic because, look, we've probably already said that reaching in fantasy football is something you don't want to do. And 90% of the time, that's true. But guess what? The other 10% of the time, well, you might have to make an exception. And the idea of this is that it actually really depends on when you are drafting, when you are selecting a player. Because if you have the first, second pick, the last or the second to last pick, naturally, those are positions that precipitate more likely than not reaching more often for players than your other league mates. Because after you make a couple back-to-back selections, guess what? You're going to have to wait 20 more picks usually until you make another pick. So if there's another running back that you really, really like and you have to address the running back position or the wide receiver position, you've just gotten to that point in the draft, well, there's a pretty high likelihood if a guy that is only going to last a round further isn't going to make it back to you. So in those situations, I would say it is okay to reach on a player. Now, again, if it's such a situation where they are going to be available three, four rounds later, obviously do not reach on those players. But if it's within a round, if it's a player that you think is going to break out and you're worried that one of your other league mates uh, is going to draft them, then in those situations, I would say It is okay to reach on players. The big thing here is you don't want to do it too often and you don't want to do it with players that have major differences that you can again get much later on. But if you're in those positions where you're picking first overall, last overall, naturally be prepared to from time to time have to reach on players. Getting into our final and potentially most important point, we have the idea of recency bias and how you should do your best to ignore it. And now hand up, we've probably all been there at some point in time, but 
recency bias can be something that a lot of new fantasy football players fall prey to if it's their second year doing it, their third year doing it, because we've all been there. Look, I was just burned by player A last season, so there's no way in hell that I'm going to draft them again this upcoming year. That is, however, not the mentality you want to have at all, because this is going to happen every single year. There's injuries, there's different circumstances, people just struggle for one reason or another. But in fantasy football, it's a year-to-year game, especially in redraft. This isn't you know, dynasty that we're talking about right now. It's redraft. So every single year, it's a clean slate. So just because you were hurt, you were burned by one player the year prior, doesn't mean it's going to happen again. You should look at their long-term performances, especially if it's someone that's been in the league for a while. Was the year prior a fluke? Was there an injury? What was the reason for that? Or was it a pattern? And the reason I say this is because oftentimes if you ignore recency bias, you can get some really great value players that some people are just nervous to draft because they were a little bit disappointing the year prior. And the example that I'm going to use here is Lamar Jackson, because last season you probably drafted him as the quarterback one heading into your fantasy football seasons. And guess what? He burned you. He burned you bad. He was not even a top five quarterback. So what's that mean now? You're not going to draft Lamar Jackson again in 2021? Well, why not? The guy's being drafted in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. He's still a tier one quarterback. That's incredible, incredible value. Don't limit yourself in terms of high upside players just because they had one down year. This is one of the most important things you guys need to realize. Recency bias is rampant, even across, you know, fantasy football analysts that have been doing this for a long time. It's very tough to take emotion out of this game, but if you can do it, if you can do that and realize that there is value that you can manipulate here, you will set yourself up for some major success. So with that, we wrap up this breakdown of the top five mistakes you guys should avoid in your fantasy football drafts, how to correct them, and how to be successful. And as always, let us hear it in the comments section. Along with any other questions you guys might have, we will do our best to answer them. If you enjoyed, hit that like button, subscribe, and lastly, check us out online at alldaypigskin.com. And while you're there, get yourself a copy of the 2021 ADP Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Great price, everything you could want, details in the description. But with that being said, we'll see you guys in future videos.